Good morning, Mid-Missouri. Here's your wake-up call for Tuesday. Oh, I wrote September. That's not September. (laughs) It's early, folks, here on the wake-up call on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. Today, we're looking at mostly sunny skies and a high of 78. Stay tuned for a full weather report after the news. A whole bunch of election news. I couldn't even keep up with it yesterday. It was just boom, boom, boom. Um, First of all, former City of Columbia sustainability manager Barbara Buffalo announced yesterday morning that she's going to run for mayor. And then Kayla Jackson-Williams, a local senior associate attorney, announced her candidacy for associate circuit judge for Division 10. And if elected, she would become Boone County's first ever black judge. So that's exciting. And then on the flip side of the coin, Martha Stevens, who's currently serving her third two-year term as a state rep for District 46, announced yesterday she will not seek a fourth term in 2022. So 2022 elections, man, it's an open field. I just don't even know what's going to happen. On Tuesdays, we talk about health and wellness. And on that front, uh, we've got three stories. First, Tessa Weinberg of the Missouri Independent reports that included in this year's state budget was nearly $3 million in federal stimulus funds to launch a program to train family members to be certified home health aides. It would be small to start with just 50 families in the St. Louis area. After being trained, the family members could be hired by a home health agency and be paid to provide care for their medically fragile children. Team Select Home Care, which is an Arizona-based company, has lobbied for the program for the past three years, and they argue it's a solution that will help tackle a shortage of private duty nurses, ensure children with disabilities receive consistent care, and ultimately save both the state and the company and company money. But the program has yet to be implemented. The company said top state officials told them the budgeted funds were diverted to respond to COVID-19 needs instead. State agencies have ignored questions on the program for weeks. A state lawmaker and Team Select Home Care are raising questions as to why. Anyway, that's an interesting uh, way to handle a nursing shortage is train the parents and pay them to do the work that the, the healthcare workers can't. Um, And then we've got a little bit longer story um, and really wonderful news, I thought, coming at us from the um, from David Leonhardt at The New York Times. Um, He reported this morning that an unvaccinated child is at less risk of serious COVID illness than a vaccinated 70 year old. And he talks a little bit about Emily Oster, who's an economist at Brown University, who frequently writes about parenting. She published an article in The Atlantic in March that made a lot of people angry. Her headline was, your unvaccinated kid is like a vaccinated grandma. The article argued that COVID-19 tended to be so mild in children that vaccinated parents could feel comfortable going out in the world with their unvaccinated children. Critics called the article insensitive and misleading, saying it understated the risks that children could both get sick and spread the virus. Oster responded on her website with a note standing by her main argument, but apologizing particularly for the headline's lack of nuance. Her critics seemed somewhat vindicated. And now, seven months later, with a lot more COVID data available, the debate over the article looks quite different. Oster is the one who has largely been vindicated. If anything, subsequent data indicates she did not go far enough in describing the age skew of COVID. Today, an accurate version of her headline might be, your unvaccinated kid is much safer than a vaccinated grandma. Children under 12 appear to be at less risk than vaccinated people, even in their 40s, if not their 30s. There is obviously some distressing news in these comparisons. For older people, especially the very old, as well as those with serious health conditions, vaccination does not reduce the risk of COVID hospitalization or death to near zero. That's different from what the initial vaccine data suggested. 
To be clear, getting vaccinated is still the best thing that an elderly person can do. In terms of risk reduction, a vaccine is more valuable for an older adult than a younger adult. Just compare the size of the bars in the above charts that you can't see, but you go to the New York Times and check them out. Still, the COVID risk remains real for vaccinated elderly people. So different elderly people will respond to the risks in different ways, and that's okay, this, art, this author argues. Some may decide to be extremely cautious until caseloads case fall to low levels. Others, especially those with major, without major health problems, may reasonably choose to travel, see friends, and live their lives. Wouldn't that be lovely? The risks are not zero, but they're quite low, and few parts of life pose zero risk. And then this author gives a point of comparison. He says, the annual risk of death for all vaccinated people over 65 in Seattle this year appears to be 1 in 2,700. So that's your, just your chance for being a human being in Seattle over 65. You have a 1 in 2,700 chance of dying. The annual average risk that an American dies in a vehicle crash is lower, about 1 in 8,500, but not different in order of magnitude. From a policy's perspective, COVID's threat to older people are used for encouraging them to get COVID booster shots, even if it remains unclear how much vaccine immunity is waning. The threat also are used for more workplace vaccine mandates to reduce the overall spread of the virus. But this brings us back to the initial question um, that caused me to choose this article, which is talking about vaccinating kids, right? That's where we're getting with this. For children without a serious medical condition, the danger of severe COVID is so low as to be difficult to quantify. For children with such a, with a condition, a, a serious medical condition, the danger is higher, but still lower than many people believe. The risk of long COVID among children, that's those, those kinds of symptoms and, and mysterious kinds of things that crop up for months and months and months, which is a source of fear among a lot of parents, also appears to be very low. All of which raises a thorny qu question. Should young children be vaccinated? I know some readers, he writes, will recoil at the mention of that question, but I think it's a mistake to treat it as unmentionable. There is not the scientific consensus about vaccinating children that there is about adults. It remains unclear how many countries will recommend the vaccine for young children. In the US, many vaccinated parents have decided not to vaccinate their eligible children yet. The arguments against doing so are that there are some rare side effects and that COVID seems no more worrisome for children than some other respiratory diseases. The arguments in favor are that any troubling side effects seem very rare, that there's uncertainty about the long-term effects of COVID and that vaccinating children can help protect everybody else by reducing transmission. So this, this author, and again, that's David Leonhardt of the New York Times, writes that if he had young children, he would vaccinate them without hesitation. He's heard the same from multiple scientists, including those who understand why many parents are reluctant. It feels like a close call that leans toward vaccination for an individual child and an easy decision for the sake of a child's grandparents and everybody else's grandparents. And he quotes Dr. Aaron Richterman of the University of Pennsylvania, who says, unvaccinated people at any age are much more likely to cause transmission relative to vaccinated people. So going back to the, um, the original uh, part of the post where we were talking about Oster's article and what does she think about all of it? She's taken the high road on social media and in her email newsletter letter, rather than relitigating the earlier debate. Instead, she devoted a recent newsletter to reviewing the evidence about children and COVID vaccines. I hope we can be prepared to be a little bit gentle with each other, she wrote. Asking questions about vaccines for kids or being more cautious for kids than older adults, these are reasonable approaches. At the end, she explained why she would be vaccinating her children once they became eligible. I do not want them to get COVID. I am worried about their immune compromised grandparent. I would like to avoid quarantine and keep them in school. So 
all in all, I thought very encouraging news, um, especially for those of us like myself who have children under 12 and are masking them up and sending them to public school every day. Um, you know, it's gotten to be the the fear I've had every day sending her out the door has sort of become normal and it's, it's, it's hard to be panicked this many months later. It's hard to be panicked about it all the time, but it is still a constant worry, right? When's she gonna come home sick? Um, when's she gonna maybe make someone else in our family sick? We're all vaccinated at my house and my parents' house, except for her. And so she's kind of, I've been feeling the weakest link. And so this story gave me uh, a lot of comfort and hopefully it will for some of you as well. Um, so let's see, we've got a full weather report. Sorry, I got a little verklempt thinking about my baby. <laughs> It's 51 degrees outside right now. Today we're expecting a high of 78 degrees under mostly sunny skies. We'll drop down to an overnight low of 63 before warming back up to a high of 77 on Wednesday. My goodness, this is crazy. With chances for scattered thunderstorms hovering between 40 and 50% for most of the day. Um, so tomorrow, definitely a chance to rain. It's going to be really pretty today, so you should get outside if you can. It's cool, though. Take a jacket. Um, so scattered thunderstorms tomorrow. I mean, really, honestly, quite a decent chance clear throughout the day. And then showers are going to stay in the forecast for Thursday and Friday, which is going to make my overnight camp out with my uh, seventh grader interesting um, for science. And then the weekend, it looks like it's going to be cool and sunny. So really pretty again by the weekend is what it looks like. Um, Democracy Now! is next. Uh, we're going to have more locally produced news coverage at 6 p.m. tonight on Evening Edition. Uh, we've got Laura Wacker hosting that. And then at 7, we've got Dan Beats with Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties. For the KOPN Wake Up News team, I'm Sarah Catlin. Goodness.